This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of a Clean Skate podcast, a Dallas Stars podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are still going, plugging along here with our one episode a week. I hope everyone is staying safe, washing their hands, wearing their masks, and, you know, practicing good social distancing like everyone else is. Man, there has been a lot of time over the weeks now that, you know, working has slowed down quite a bit. Some of the people I know are not working at all. I'm lucky enough to still be in a job, but I only work one or two days a week right now. So that leaves, you know, five, six days at a time where I am at home. So, you know, there's one of those things like, what am I doing all day? I can only play video games for so long. And so one of the things that I would suggest to everyone uh, while they are on their quarantine is audiobooks. Maybe you don't, if you like reading, pick up a regular book, but you know, maybe you've read all the books in your house or maybe you don't have any books and well, you can't really go to a library right now and um, you can order books on Amazon, but I suggest audiobooks. Right now, me and my girlfriend are listening to the Aragon book series. We're on book one. We're going through that audiobook and it is a ton of fun. We listen to it when we're doing, you know, some work around the house or, you know, we just don't know what to do. We don't want to watch TV, but maybe we're cooking dinner. We can listen to an audiobook. It's been a nice change of pace and really, really fun. Well, the results are in for our Dallas Stars all-star lineup for the defensemen. For round one, we move on to round two. Um, the winners from round one are Sergey Zubob. He destroyed with 100% of the votes. Darian Hatcher won his round with 57. Stefan Robida with 100. John Klingberg beat out Trevor Daly with 83%. And Daryl Sider won with 67%. So now we move on to the final round for the defensemen. We're going to have Sergey Zubov, Darian Hatcher, and Stefan Robida automatically in. So you guys will be voting for where you want them on the defense. And Klingberg and Sider will come in and play for that final spot for the defensemen. And they will compete in the toilet pole just like the centers are right now. So if you want to vote on who should be the finals finalists and winners for the centers go on to at clean skate pod on twitter you'll be able to vote for that this week however we are moving on to the right wingers round one of the right wingers round one is going to be brian bellows versus vernon fiddler jamie ben versus greg adams brendan morrow versus brent gilcrest steve payne versus uc Jokinen, and antoine roussel versus james Neil. And so far, I haven't had too much pushback for my picks. You guys seem to, for the most part, agree with the people I'm putting in there. Right wingers were interesting as well. There were a lot of players that did a decent amount for the stars, but they didn't play a ton. So there were some guys I had to just take off because they didn't play very many games for the actual Dallas Stars. They were real good, but they didn't play a ton for the stars. So that leaves us with the list you guys will be able to vote on. That should be up sometime by the time you're listening to this episode. The COVID collabs with other guys from the Hockey Podcast Network continues. This week we have on Andy Hammond from the Broadway Boys Podcast. Uh, I got chatting with him this week and uh, it was a really, really good conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy. But before we get over to that collab, I just want to say a quick message from our friends at Southern Scholar, we are still partnered with them. They're still a affiliate of the network. Southern Scholar is currently having a huge sale, offering $4 off each pair of socks. Plus, they provided all of our listeners with an additional $5 off their first order when using promo code 
THPN, essentially a sale on top of a sale. Just visit www.southernscholar.com and use THPN for the additional discount. Enjoy the interview. All right, and this week on the Clean Skate Podcast, the coronavirus collaborations continue. This week we have, uh, again, another reoccurring guest. I think you've been on only once before, um, but we have Andy Hammond from the Broadway Boys podcast from the network. So uh, welcome back. Hey, Michael. Thank you for having me. So um, last time we talked, there was regular hockey going on. Yes. the only hockey news that has really come out at all recently is some rather unfortunate news. So uh, I guess uh, Colby Cave unfortunately passed away at 25. Um, he had brain bleed and then he had a cyst removed from his brain and all that good stuff. Terrible stuff to happen. Um, so, uh, you know, the whole hockey world, is, it sucks. Yeah, it's absolutely tragic, like you said. I mean, for anyone, but especially someone at that age, that suddenly, uh, you know, with so much other scary things going on. Um, yeah, it just, it sucks. And, uh, just yet another example or a way that life shows us that you never know. So don't put off the things you want to do unless of course, during right now it, it, you know, you might have to put off traveling right now or whatever it is your aspirations are to stay safe. But just in general, um, yeah, it's you never know because it can happen at any moment. So appreciate, definitely try to appreciate what you have and uh, take advantage of every uh, moment you can. I don't, I don't want to stay on uh, on a down note, um, but I, I, you know, it, again, the only hockey news that's happening, so we have to talk about it. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's t- hard to come by good news, unfortunately, uh, these days. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so looking back because i've been doing this with all the other people to stay on hockey before i you know we we get off track and talk about you know the lack of hockey um how were you feeling about the rangers season uh going forward we've been we've been giving letter grades so far like i (laughs) i gave the stars a b minus so far or a b plus so i'm curious to think about uh what you get i'd give if i had to give them a letter grade uh, unless you want me to wait till the end to give him one, but you know, I, you know, I'd give him a probably a, a B minus, um, only because you know, success wise, they were pretty much right where I thought in the beginning of the season I thought they were going to make a push for the playoffs, uh, but probably just finished just short. And honestly, it was looking like one of those things where they were either going to they were either going to just make it barely or they were just going to fall short. And they were right in that. So, you know, I mean, in terms of expectation-wise, they kind of fell in realistically where I was. Uh, you know, they get marks for the Panarin signing looking, which was scary in terms of the dollar amount. Uh, he has a, a borderline, a heart caliber season. I mean, I, if they made it in, I, there's no doubt in my mind he would have sh- should have won the heart trophy. And that's no disrespect to Leon Dreisaitl, but I just feel like if you look at the... Uh, the next uh, highest points on the Rangers, it was Zabanajad, who obviously also had a, a standout season despite missing a lot of time. But yeah, just the. But I think if you overall, if you look at why I, maybe I'm a little bit hesitant to give them like a, just a B, I think their bottom six underperformed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the youngsters that were expected to step up, even if it wasn't very realistic didn't do so you know Kako obviously struggled in his first season although he at least finished with the same production as Kirby Doc and uh Jack Hughes so you know all th- you could either say all three of those uh, guys uh struggled or you could say you know what being 18 is and playing pro hockey is tough being 18 and playing in the NHL is very difficult so they're all going to have their growing pains plus I feel like Hughes and, and Kako were a little bit uh different prospects into where I felt like there was a chance with Hughes and Kako that they might not even start the year in the NHL um just from from a caliber standpoint I didn't feel like they were like they were on that borderline on whether or not they could have gone up or down yeah, exactly. I mean, if you think about it, Hughes, obviously the knock on him, which tr- proved to be true, was uh, his size pushing him out of some of the important areas of the game. You know, and obviously not for lack of effort. I thought he did a lot of good things, or he tried to, and he made some good plays. And you can see, obviously, this, the the wheels and the, and the 
playmaking skills in the mind. But yeah, he was quite simply, he was pushed out of the important, uh, the middle of the ice, which you need to be a center in the NHL is the most important area. So, but listen, that's not his fault. He'll, he'll get size. He'll get stronger. I'm sure next year he'll be much better. And as far as Kako goes, I think, A, it was that adjustment to North America maybe was harder. The game is faster. You don't have as much time and space. Uh, you do need to have a little bit more explosivity in your skating. So even though he's got that great edge work and the spinoff ability and puck protection abilities, yeah, he there was times where that lack of a first step and you know, maybe just playing at a slow, uh, faster pace than he was used to hurt him. But like both players, I think... I actually watched a good amount of all three of those guys this year just because I have a affinity for NHL prospects, just wanted to monitor. I thought they all got better as the year went on. I thought Doc had – I thought Doc didn't get so much of a fair shake in terms of his uh, – he didn't get a lot of power play time. Uh, same thing with Kako and Hughes. Honestly, they all – I thought they all – got put in up and down the lineup and moved around a lot. They didn't have much consistency. Well, I think he was also played for the Devils, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that too, you know, it's, they're not a good team, although they seem to be finding, rounding out their game towards the stretch. But yeah, I think they all, all three teams played on, uh, three players played on teams that weren't exactly uh, in a, able to insulate them very well. You know, they kind of got, sometimes they were played maybe a little out of their depth, but then there was other times where they were probably played with line mates that couldn't help them succeed. So but at the end of the day, I think all three, honestly, I think all three of them will be fine. It's just, yeah, they, they all have stuff to work on. They all just have to get a little bit older. And I think they'll all be good, uh, productive players in the National Hockey League. So now my next question for you is, do you think Mika Zibanejad is still underrated? Uh, well, he was just voted the best Swedish player in the NHL this year by his countrymen. So I don't know if that means he can't be underrated anymore, but... I mean, I'm glad everyone else is seeing the light because, you know, I would he's missed a lot of man games due to some freak injuries. He he fell into the boards two seasons ago and literally broke his, his tibia. So which is a freak accident. That's not like a concussion or a rub out. It's just, you know, it's just a horrible accident. He had a concussion, uh, I think, last year. And then earlier this year, he also had one as well. So, uh, yeah, he missed some time both. But you know, despite missing, uh, I think he missed a full month almost. I think it was like 13 games, which he still ends up, uh, I think he was fifth in goal scoring in the NHL. And he, his pace was just getting fat. He's just, you know, especially even around the five goal game, he just kept, he just kept scoring that last month of the season. And he was just so hot. Like, I didn't think he would stop. I, I thought it would be possible he could hit 50. You know, if he didn't miss time, he would have been right around there with, I think some of those other guys just based on if you prorate a scoring, it would have been one of the top, if not at least trying to jockey for position with uh Pasternak and Ovechkin. But he, you know, I don't think he's underrated anymore. I think people are finally seeing how good he is and yeah, it took him a little bit longer, but that's the same thing that, yeah, I don't think any pro player prospect, whatever their path isn't always linear. Sometimes you need things to line up. Sometimes that light takes the right situation for that light bulb to click. And, but it, it, it definitely has and it's just every time he has the puck his game is just a lot more yeah it's just a lot more steady now it's if I don't really know how to from watching him because he's always been dynamic and had flash but he just looks a lot more composed so he does things quickly but with a lot of composure which I think is the key is that being decisive but he just has innate instincts you obviously uh can't yeah you can't teach so and he's just so rangy and he covers a lot of ice and he's gotten faster I think that's the biggest thing you know I think he's I've never seen him look faster his uh he said admittedly the last three seasons he's like improved his physical conditioning coming to the year whereas in Ottawa and even maybe his first years coming into the Rangers that he yeah it just wasn't as big of a priority for him but now he takes it seriously and lo and behold he looks like a like a cat out there he's fast so really helped him that five goal game was incredible. I, I like, and the OT winner like that, like, come on, you can't write that up any better. Yeah. And it's funny because you, I, I never, you know, on the one hand, it's like, I was so mad. They gave up that, that, uh, empty net goal, but if they hadn't, he doesn't score the, the, the OT winner and it's not as big of a moment. So I guess I almost have to like take the good with the bad, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's just, it was one of those things that it took a lot of, you know, I'd be lying if it wasn't a lot of serendipity, a lot of like weird broken plays and, 
but you know, he put himself in those positions. He just has that. Now he finally has that innate ability to know where the puck is going to end up. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, yeah, it was just one of, honestly, one of the, in terms I, when I think of the, you know, my favorite Ranger moments of the last, I don't know, I guess five years or 10 years, hell, I'll even make it 10 years. I mean, that's up there with, you know, with it, with the, the Derek Stepan OT winner versus the caps or, you know, the Marty San Louis, very uh, few Mother's day goal game. Yeah. That, like very few goal calls can like give me goosebumps unless they're like emotional for me. So yeah. like the fact that like just some random regular season game where he, listen, he scores five goals, which is incredible. But the fact that a regular season game between the Rangers and the caps and like, I can watch that play the stretch pass from Panarin, which was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And then the finish just to, to, like you said, like he's very rangy. Like you see it on that whole play, just how long of a person he is like with yeah. his stick, like the way he was stick handling. Like it's like, like he's like almost like both of his hands are near the top of his stick. Like his stick is so far in front of him and he pulls yeah, it in the he, backhand and scores. And then the goal call with it. Like I just get goosebumps watching yeah, that play. It's, it's definitely chills. And you know, I mean, I'll give credit to Sam Rosen because as he gets up there in age, it's sometimes his play by play is a bit, he's maybe not as alert, but he does have something that I think a lot of other announcers maybe lack is that his, the emotion in his voice kind of ranges with the moment. So like, yeah, he'll be good. Like when someone scores a goal, but if it's a big goal, he makes sure he punctuates it more than he would at like a normal goal. He's kind of got the same uh, voice almost as the, uh, the Buffalo announcer. Mm -hmm. Um, Rick, Rick Gineret, yeah, yeah, he's kind of got that nasally, but like, oh. do you believe it? Yes, like, yeah, oh, yeah. So it good. was so great, so you know, good. And I, I listen. A lot of people don't like. I love Rick Gineret, you know. Oh my Buffalo! Like, I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And it just, it's not for me on that call. It's not just the like. It's the as because you know on that play, it the on three on three overtime, the puck kind of squeaks out, you know, out uh, of the Rangers' end. So Panarin goes back to get it, and you see Mika kind of he kind of swings and then all of a sudden he just gives Panarin a look like over his shoulder. And then he just starts going and Panarin in why I think very wisely, which is what made it all that impressive and that instead of like corralling it and looking in one motion to kind of hide what he's going to do in one motion, he just kind of pivots to his back skate. So now he's facing up the guy and just slap passes it. Just a perfect pass to a streaking Mika. And like you said, he's so rangy. You're not, he's going to shield the puck. You're not going to get, he's got to step on, uh, whoever that was, uh, probably Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. I don't know who was on the ice, but um, and just you hear, you know, up to Zibanejad, and then like the the call right before he he, you know, it, you can hear his voice. He's like, "Goes to the net," because you know, like what was on the cusp of happening, and it was absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. I I was losing my mind. I couldn't believe it. The garden was crazy. And were you it, at that game? I was not. Oh. I was so I was at band practice and I was my phone. I keep my phone on uh, a music stand in front of me when I'm when we're playing and it was blowing up. And then, you know, it was like Zavanajad hat trick. So I was like, oh, shit, like this is a good game. Like, you know, and I saw how early it was. So I then I turned. So we we I said, you know, I have MSG go on my phone. So I turned it on and I saw that. Um, yeah, I saw that basically how much time was left. So we were playing and it was in between songs. And then I saw him score the fourth one on my phone. And I was, I'm like, holy shit, you know, four goals. I was losing my mind. And then, uh, you know, and for where our practice space is, uh, there's a, we, you know, there's a TV in the living room outside of where the studio is. So at that point, I'm like, I'm watching the end of this game. You know, the Rangers are in a playoff race. Every point counts. I want to like, this is an awesome night. I just want to see like him get the start all that. So I turn it on. Right as I turn it on there, you know, I think there's two minutes left. And there, <laughs> uh, Washington pulls uh, Samsonov. And eventually Ovechkin scores from the side of the net with Mark Stahl doing a snow angel, as he always is. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> God. I was so upset. Uh, so I was like, God damn it. So and then we watch uh, three on three starts. So I'm watching. And even some of my bandmates who are not hockey fans came out and they're just like, they're watching, they're sitting on the couch with me. And I'm like, yeah, just, just we'll start back up in a second. And I like, I just need to see this. And then that happens. I start losing my mind. You know, even they were like, whoa, like it's like five goals. That's, that's crazy. Right. Like I'm like, I'm like yeah, fuck. you know, I was losing my mind. Oh, it was awesome. It was just, 
yeah, it's just one of those things that like I was, I couldn't sleep that night. I was so pumped for, mm. for like out. Cause it was just like, it just kind of felt for, you know, so many people thought he would be named captain going into the season. Didn't happen, but that's okay. Uh, and it's just like, like you said, it's just one of those things where it's like, is he underrated? Cause he's, I feel like he has been underrated. So it was just to see that everyone was talking about him. Mm. It felt good. And honestly, this is a team that, uh, during the, the quarantine, they've been playing all the, the Rangers playoff games in the last few years. The biggest thing that stood out to me is that all the, as good as the, those teams were in terms of playing like a unit, they didn't have any star forwards. They had Rick Nash, who was not the Rick Nash, who was on Columbus. They had Brad Richards, who was not Brad Richards in Tampa Bay. They had Marty, who was at the tail end of his career. Yeah, they had one year of Gabrick where he was dominant, and then he was kind of – they had the lockout, and then, you know, kind of fell off and got traded. It just – it just hasn't happened for this team and to finally have not one, but two, like, you know, arguably top 15 forwards in the NHL is huge for the Rangers. They haven't had it. It just doesn't exist. They haven't had uh, a Ben and Sagan duo. They haven't had, yeah, they just haven't had any star caliber forwards that when the game is on the line, they can, you know, break it up wide open. Mm -hmm. So it just felt, it's just a good feeling. So it just kind of felt like a coronation of like, he's here, like, you know, and I, I think it'll be, re I think next year he'll be seen under a much different light by, you know, other hockey fans. Hell, I think his NHL uh, 20 rating will finally be what it deserves to be, <laughs> which is good. So, and yeah, I just couldn't be happier for him just because, you know, especially he was a guy that when he was on uh, Ottawa, like, yeah, I liked him a lot in Ottawa. I definitely thought he had something. I didn't think he'd be this good, but, you know, when the Broussard for Zabanjad trade happened, I was, I was kind of stoked, but I thought at the very least it was like, get, you know, Zabat, Broussard would get older and his production would fall off and Zabanjad would top out kind of around where Broussard was, but uh, holy, holy F was I wrong. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, well, yeah. it's, it's cool because I mean, obviously the season right now is up, up in the air and who knows what's going to happen with it, but um, it's not every season that you get, you know, a memory like that for it. Um, I mean, and every hockey fan has a few that they can think back on. So, like, I don't know. I, in my opinion, that's probably one you're going to think about. Like, when you think back to the, you know, 2019-2020 season, other than the coronavirus, one of the things you'll probably think about is that five-goal game. Yeah. It's one of those moments that if you're ever feeling down, you'll probably just be like, you know what? I need it. And you'll just go watch that clip for the goal call just for that instant dopamine rush into your brain. I, I'm not even, not even joking. Um, like... You know, I don't know how how much you watch like Brett Brett Hall's foot in the crease every week, but I watched the the uh, the Mika's the Banjad five goal at least once a week now. I mean, <laughs> it, in the first in the first month, I probably watched it multiple times a week, and now at least every now and then, it's like I'll go back and watch it because inevitably, you know, if I'm watching like you know today, I want to look at Panarin's highlights from the season. That's on there because that pass from him is what makes it happen you know what I mean so and then that's the beautiful thing is that you know he doesn't he almost gets he kind of it kind of gets lost in that because it was Mika's heroic performance but you know how how good Panarin has been and just that even games where he's having an otherwise pedestrian game all of a sudden he can just do something that not many other players in the league can do and then lo and behold it's like yeah magic so it's all mm -hmm. it's just a great yeah. feeling it's the Rangers feeling. can have a bad game and Panarin will still finish with a goal and an assist yeah, and honestly, he like if I had to give player ratings like or gr letter grades to players, the only A plus I'd give would well I'd probably have to give uh, I don't know if I give an A yeah I give Panarin an A plus and I probably give Zabanajad an A you know mm -hmm. just because Panarin I don't think I've I've seen Mika have some rough games this year although that comes with sometimes you you just don't have it especially if you're defending against some of the top lines in the NHL but. I Panarin, I don't, I don't think he had a bad game. I think I saw him have a one bad period all year, and I'm not being facetious. He's just the year he's had has been absolutely amazing, and I think it's clear he likes being a Ranger. He likes playing here. I think he likes this style. You know, I think he never thought he was going to leave Chicago. I think he likes the style they play. They kind of play that skill. You know, more of a closer to a you know a European system anyway. And this Rangers team now is kind of similar but columbus was you know more tortorella and a little bit more uh in your face you know heavy checking uh yeah just simpler and i think panarin loves having carte blanche to make east west plays that's what he does best so mm -hmm. yeah. but with pace so you know the fact that him and ryan strome had that chemistry and he was allowed to 
you know, they, they, I think they understood what they had in Panarin. They weren't going to try to force him to do something. Because honestly, his defense is great too. I think he, he, he hustles. You know, maybe he's just sometimes his size, he can't uh, defend as well as some other players. But for the most part, his stick-checking skills are elite. I've never seen someone come up with more pucks and scrums that I think he has no business winning just because he's so smart with the stick placement and he's got such good wheels that he can just... He's very good at just getting a chip in, you know, the edge of his stick, just chipping it one way, but he's already on his horse to, like, pick it up and go the other way. So, you know, he just... And you can't take the puck from him. He's, you've got such a low center of gravity. So, yeah, I mean, he was just, he was fantastic in all facets of the game this year. And obviously Mika, despite what he had to, still able to break out despite being hurt. So, but honestly, other than that, I, I can't give a, a, I don't know if I'd give a high ranking to anyone else. Um, none, of your, none of your goalies? None of, none of your rookie goalies? I, I, here's like Shesterkin, I thought was excellent. Uh, Georgiev was inconsistent at times. I thought he was better last year, but you know, I still thought he had some, obviously some fantastic performances this year. You know, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's fair to, uh, I forget how many games total Shesterkin played. He was obviously lights out, you know, barring the game he came back from, uh, injury where he was clearly rusty and they played against, I forget what team it was. Was it Philly? I don't know. Some, they put, they put up a lot of goals on him. Oh, and he, you know, honestly, I thought the game versus, uh, Chicago he wasn't all that but I think that, that actually might have been the game he came back from you know he just gave up a lot a lot of uh, goals that he usually should have but you know I'll count it up to rust but yeah I, I think the sample size was inconclusive that I, it wouldn't be fair for me to give him a ranking but it's obviously he, you know I think honestly all three of them were as good as you could expect them to be given the circumstances especially those first few months were kind of rough because you know you the roster turnover was crazy the youngest team in the National Hockey League, a bunch of young guys who haven't played, you know, professional hockey against grown men. It, yeah, it's just, it was a lot and new faces and getting everyone p- pulling the rope in the right direction. And, but yeah, I, you know, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you your, your top line, your, your, your two guys making sure your, your top six was absolutely dominant, but everyone else, maybe the forwards, not, I'm not talking to the defense, but the forwards, you know, I thought Buchnevich, I would, was kind of hoping he would take another step, but he's kind of, I think he gets better every year, but he's just still hasn't, yeah, he's still a little inconsistent and Kreider is what he is. He's good, but you know, it sucks that he broke his, uh, uh, you know, his foot towards the tail end of the season, but you know, he, he was due for a pay, you know, he put in a Chris Kreider right on pace for what he always ends up with. He usually ends up with, around 50 points and close to, but not quite 30 goals. And yeah, but yeah. And then obviously the youngsters, your Howdens, your Heedles, and they kind of, you know, they didn't exactly take a huge step, but they got better, but it's just, yeah, their bottom six definitely needs uh, to be cleaned up going into next uh, season. Mm -hmm. So then that's a good pivot. When do you think we will be back? Okay. So, I mean, I I am one. Me and James, my my co-host, are of the opinion that uh, that the, every all talk of the playoffs coming back are a bit pie in the sky. I I don't think I don't think there any more hockey will be played this year. And I, I know that's hard for people to. And I could be wrong, but I I I just think realistically looking at it and looking what at the different sanctions, some of uh, you know other. Uh, cities and mayors, you know, I think Calgary already said they will not allow anything even into till September or something like that. You know, I think the mayor of Toronto also made statements like that. So unless you want to impede next season or unless they try to make a a playoff village in North Dakota somewhere, which I guess is possible. um, I just don't see it happening. I think it's just, you know, I feel bad obviously for teams like Philly who thought they had that, they were kind of felt had that destiny feel to them that they were finally going to, you know, make some noise and get over the hump and get back to where they had been, um, you know, around, I guess, what was, what, what was that where they lost to Chicago? Was that 2013, 2012? Yeah. Well, yeah. Something yeah, like forget, that. Something like that. It was the one I, I actually think it was, uh, it was, it was, no, that was Chicago's first cup win, right? So yes. what is that? 2011, 2010? Yeah, I think it's like 20. Yeah, I think it was the year before uh, Boston won it with Tim with Tim Thomas. But anyway, um, yeah. So I think you know you feel bad for teams like that. You feel bad for the older guys who this might have been their final kick of the can. Uh, I feel bad for Henrik Lundqvist who probably there was a very strong possibility he may have played his final game as a Ranger. We don't even know it yet. Um, 
yeah, it just sucks. It's not, but you know, obviously some things are more important uh, and keeping people alive and safe is more important. So, and, but you know, this is obviously an ever changing forecast. We don't, you know, who knows that come, we could be a little ahead of schedule come uh, uh, a month's time. You know, I also, I live in New York, so I'm in the, the brunt of the worst, <laughs> the worst spot of it. So maybe I'm a bit more pessimistic or why I understand why maybe there's some optimism elsewhere, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, just travel wise. Like I just don't, I just don't know how it gets done unless they, like I said, they somehow say we're going to pick a few, like three arenas in, uh, you know, North Dakota or in the middle of nowhere to play and we're going to quarantine our players and have, but then you have to have hotel availability and yeah, it's just a lot. Like, I don't know. Cause I just think of, just think of everything returning to normal. I just don't think. And if you do, I mean, I know they want, they, I think the biggest thing for them is that the players understand how much they're, uh, it's going to hurt, you know, their escrow for next season or hurt and just how much uh, money owed. I mean, the league loses out on playoff revenue, which is huge. I think they have salary cap implications. Uh, so, yeah, I just I, obviously everyone's trying to lessen the financial hit. But, um, yeah, I just don't I don't see how it happens. So unless who knows, maybe come, I don't know, uh, late June we're looking at and things were, you know, we've had some medical development. They've figured out more effective ways to treat it. Maybe not a cure, because I don't think you could roll out something in time, but they found out this combination of malaria drugs with this works best. And they have uh, more plasma from people that have developed antibodies and have beaten, uh, you know, the, the virus. So, but until then, I, I honestly just don't think it happens if you're, if I'm being totally candid. Wow. That's, that's unfortunate to hear, but I mean, I think, Hey, I mean, you look at the news every day and it doesn't look like it's getting better. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, that's the biggest thing, man. I just don't, you know, and I, I do think it is important for them to try to remain optimistic. I, you know, I, I understand you don't want to be the one to, to, I know you don't want to be the one to cancel it outright. And then if it looks like it's possible, it's like, oh, well, this could have happened if you had just had sat on your butt. Yeah, you know, I don't know. So, but who knows? I mean, apparently those, all those talks of them, you know, because I think I've heard through the grapevine that, again, players have been told that it's actually not happening, but, you know, or it's just more of a foregone conclusion. That seems to be what most, you know, people are saying that, like, players already know it's not happening, but are told to, like, play dumb. But, hmm. yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I well, just don't, yeah. I mean, pivoting it away from hockey then, um, hmm. Obviously, you, you said you're in New York, so hope you're staying safe. But uh, how, how are you keeping yourself busy during during these quarantine times? Well, I am very, uh, very lucky that uh, my wife is amazing and she always keeps things fun. Um, well, so during the week, plenty of uh, I have plenty of things with the network projects working on to keep me busy. Uh, I do some I just started doing some writing for the morning skate. Uh, you can check them out uh, on Twitter, you know, at morning skate. Uh, or it might be the, I don't know, just look at morning skate, you'll find it. But, um, you know, I'm a big hockey prospect guy. So even though we don't know when the draft will be, uh, uh, myself and Shane of the frozen biscuits podcast here on the hockey podcast network did a, uh, we compared our, we basically did a 31, uh, we listed our top 31 prospects going into the draft and we compared them. It's on Patreon. So it only costs a dollar to, to subscribe for Patreon. So if you have a dollar, it's uh, it's worthy content. Yeah. But, you know, and, but since I put that out, I've still been refining my list and, you know, I've made some changes here and there just based on, you know, not crazy, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's all kind of always changing for me. So I'm trying to solidify my list because even though we don't know when the draft will be, it's still going to have to happen. So can you give us a little sneak peek to your list? Maybe give us a top, top three, top five. Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, so I guess for me, no surprise, Alexei Lafreniere is number one. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think anyone in their right mind has anyone over him. Although I was hearing Weisman, you know, who last year ticks uh, Moritz Seider at five with Detroit's, yeah, pick. Um, he is seems very connected to that DEL. So Tim Stutzla is uh, projected to go two or three. So who knows, maybe he could select him first overall, but for me, I, I have Lafreniere first, um, I have Stutzla second, and I have Quinton Byfield third, which is, you know, funny because a lot of people have Byfield second. I like him. I love 
the raw tools. I even like his uh, IQ. I just, for whatever it is, I think he is A, more of a project, and B, I think Stutzel's just a little bit more of a sure thing with a high ceiling, whereas I think it wouldn't surprise me. Like, if Byfield, everything goes right for him, he could be the best player in this draft. Better than Lafreniere, better than... He could basically be Malkin if everything goes right for him. But, you know, it's one of those, like I said, a lot of things have to go right. I don't know if his uh, hockey sense is as polished as the two, you know, Stutzel or Lafreniere. Um, yeah, I mean, hmm. other than that, you know, this draft, there's a lot of centers. It's very center heavy. Uh, not a lot of defensemen. I mean, Jamie Drysdale will be the the uh, the crown prize for defensemen in this draft. But other than him, there's not a lot of people that really, you know, uh, um, I really like uh, a guy, a kid like William Wallinder, uh from uh, Sweden. He uh, may be not as polished, but in terms of potential, I think he has uh, the potential to be you know, one of the best defensemen in the draft just based on his raw tools and his uh, skating ability and uh, his, yeah, and just his skill level. But um, yeah, and you know, it's funny this year, every year there's, uh, or not every year, but you know, this is one of those years where there's just the clear-cut goalie and, and Yaroslav Askarov. So that's going to change for, a, that's important for a lot of teams because, you know, it's, he's, there are some teams that desperately need goaltending, but, you know, goaltending is one of the least sure things you look at uh, the slew of goaltenders that are entering the Metropolitan Division. It was announced this morning that um, Ilya Sorokin is going to finally sign with the Islanders. You look at the Metro itself seems like a bloodbath of Russian goaltenders. You have Samsonov in Washington. You have uh, Shesterkin. You have Sorokin. You have, uh, uh, what's his name? Well, I mean, even, yeah, you have the older guys. You have Vasilevsky in, for Tampa. You have, um, uh, yeah, I guess you can even you count on Alexander Georgiev. It's just... Yeah, so I mean, add him to the list. So, you know, it's if a team, there's some teams that I don't think can afford to let him slip through their clutches. Let's say, you know, and obviously it's going to be tough though, because like we said, goaltending is kind of voodoo and you don't really know. You can, you can try to prorate uh, their skills as much as you want, but sometimes you just, it's not as easy. Yes, yeah, it's not as easy to project. So if your team like New Jersey, I don't know how you feel about Blackwood, but, you know, Corey Schneider is about to be put out to pasture, I would imagine. So what do you do if you're picking at nine? Is there, is, do you go for him or do you think there's a forward that is good enough or has the potential to help your club more? And that's a tough decision. I, I can't answer that for them. You know, I guess only uh, their GM can answer that. But yeah, I think you're going to see, I think if I can give any predictions, I think you're going to see a lot of teams are going to, take like i said there's a lot of centers so i wouldn't be surprised if people bang more on upside this draft and that's just a gut feeling because usually you see some picks i mean even the, the rangers were a little guilty of it with picks like leas anderson uh a few seasons ago they're like oh this guy is like safer and he's ready i don't like yeah i think that because there's there's a lot of centers but outside of the the first i don't know that's the I think there's a clear drop between the top three and then the rest of the draft. And then probably then between the till the, the from three to eight and then everyone else. And then after that, I think it's very wide open. I don't think, you know, last year we were lucky enough to have you that, uh, that amazing U uh, S national development program class where you had that kind of whole slew of those players, you know, your Trevor's egresses and uh, yeah, your, uh, just yeah, all those guys going in that uh, in that kind of that block of nine through twenty where they were all selected. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it's there's as much clarity there. You know, just looking at Central Scouting's rankings and uh, Craig Button with TSN and uh, Sam Constantino with Sportsnet, I feel like uh, once again a lot of the European guys aren't getting the love they probably deserve. But that's every year. So I mean, if your GM takes a guy like Rodion Amarov or uh, Marat uh, Kusnadinov or even, uh, what's his name, who plays uh, for Shawinigan, uh, Pro Provamerov, who is playing North American hockey. Like, you should be very happy because these guys, I feel like, aren't getting enough love by, you know, as opposed to the rest of the kids play major, junior, or even the national development guys, but they're absolutely have potential to be steals for the draft. I got to give you big props on even attempting to pronounce some of those names. Yeah, it's tough. And I, you know, it's funny because I, when I did my, uh, you know, I think I, Shane and I did our 
maybe three to four, like almost a month, maybe a month ago. And since it's been made, you know, I, I kind of listen back and I'm like, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. So I've tried to at least, you know, I've been really refining my list. So I've been, you know, and the other hard thing is that, especially with the Russian players that you'll see it's spelled different ways because of Cyrillic writing. So, you know, in, in, uh, for Igor Shesterkin, it's kind of in his, in Russian, it's Shesterkin and it's S H E S T Y O R K I N. But just when these things get, yeah. Artemi Panarin apparently is spelled A R T E M I Y Panarin. I did not know that. <laughs> like, you know, but, uh, yeah. So I just, you know, it's their name. So I try to at least do, you know, and I'll, I'll be upfront about, it. I apologize if I mis, uh, mispronounce it, but yeah, you know, I just think it, uh, not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to, to totally anglicize a guy's name for no yeah, reason. I, I did, I did some player profiles and stuff like that on all the Dallas stars players. So when I got to like hometowns and stuff like that, it was, it was not pretty. Oh yeah. I mean, well, it's even funny. It's like, you know, I, so everyone, you know, Capo Caco is, uh, I was, uh, I'm lucky enough to know some, uh, I have some, uh, friends that are, uh, they're from, uh, Scandinavia. So they were trying to tell me how to pronounce it. And, you know, cause I, you know, everyone's, you know, it's Caco, it's Caco. You know, I work in, I work in New York city with a bunch of, uh, blue collar New Yorkers who everything is, you know, cap, cap, you know, so, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's apparently it's, it's cop. It's that a, there's the two A's. So it's cop like that. So, oh yeah. So, so if you want, yeah. So I guess to get some street cred, but nice, nice. Uh, yeah. But you know, especially, but, uh, um, yeah. So it's just like in a, in a nutshell, it's that coming up to this draft, uh, I think there's more potential than last year for some real, I think guys are going to really slip. I mean, you look at, uh, there's a few guys that have questions for various reasons. You look at Artur Kaliev, who fell to LA, who got selected in the second round is now absolutely destroyed. Well, pretty much until the season was shut down, was destroying the OHL. Like, you know, teams are probably kicking themselves. You know what I mean? Especially some of those teams, like I look at a team like the Islanders who took, um, you know, they definitely need scoring help. They can't score goals. Like they're, you know, they have an older uh, team. You know, they have some, obviously you have Barzell and you have maybe guys in the ways like Bellows and, you know, Wallstrom, if he can put it all together. But they take a, a kid like Simon Holmstrom, who is, uh, you know, it was kind of a reach when, you, you know, you have a guy, a kid like Artur Kaliev, who's absolutely like the kid farts goals. Like, I, you know, maybe he's got questions, but, but he's just, you know, or even uh, you look at, um, for Montreal, for uh, uh, what's his name? Who's very tiny but adorable? Uh, Cole Caulfield. You know what I mean? Like he, because he's so small, fell, but he had he has unteachable scoring in- instincts that you just can't teach. And yes, obviously you have to prorate them. Say, can he be effective five on five? But you look at some of the players taken right before him, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. Like I love Matthew Boldy as much as the next person, but like, you know, it's just, you have, I think you have to really make sure, you know, and obviously that's not to say that there's teams don't have different needs. Cause I'm sure they do. I think if you're a team that like uh, Colorado, the last few seasons has been lucky enough that even though they're good and young, they've between last year having the extra first from the Duchesne trade, or, you know, still having a draft picks owed to them, like they're in an interesting position because they, you want to start contending now. So you maybe want to pick someone who's not going to take, they're not going to go to college and you're not sure they're going to try to cut and run like a lot of players do for free agency. So, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going to take the sure thing, you better be sure because the, the, some of these guys can be found. You can find some middle six forwards on the waiver wire if your GM is savvy enough, but you can't, yeah, you can't find a homegrown, uh, sniper who can just you know pot goals like in his sleep even if he has but obviously you could also end up like a kid like josh hosang who just refuses to listen and get it you know so it's a yeah it's i it's a it's a a balancing act but you just have to whatever you whoever you pick just make sure you're sure because you can end up looking real stupid and it might not even be your fault so yeah yeah well, so my last question for you is is not a hockey question at all, 
Are you watching anything good on TV? Because I have spent so much time on Netflix <laughs> and Hulu. I have run out of things that I like watching. So you got to give me something. Sure. Okay. Um, if you're looking for something mindless you can watch, you should watch Nailed It on Netflix. It's a uh, baking uh, game show, I guess. It's hosted by Nicole Byer, who's a comedian. And it's basically just taking amateur bakers and forcing them, giving them only like an hour to bake something that's impossibly hard. So it's like what they're supposed to bake. And these people, like, even though like I'm not a good baker, but just the decision making, they just add way too much of everything. They're like, it's just, they show you these beautiful colors of art they're supposed to make. And then these disgusting looking what they tried to make, but it's hilarious. It's a lot of fun. It's mindless. There's low stakes. So that's mm-hmm. great. Um, if you want something that's like really engrossing and you can get into, um, you know, I, I mean, I would recommend anyone that didn't watch the last season of Narcos to watch it. It is awesome. Um, if you don't mind uh, foreign dramas or don't mind reading subtitles, Dark on Netflix is amazing. It's also mind-numbingly difficult to follow, but it's like one of those things that if you're like into true crime and uh, sci-fi and just, you know, moody uh, dramas, you'd probably love it. And then uh, I guess lastly, I don't, if you're, if you like, if you love trash TV, uh, there's a new, you know, if you're, if you're someone who loves Love Island, you know, uh, there's a new, there's a new, game show on coming to it might actually be on already on uh netflix and it's called um too hot to handle or in a nutshell they lure a bunch of like attractive people to to an island saying they're going to be like hooking up with other attractive social media people for the summer and then they reveal once they're there that like they get to have a chance to win a hundred thousand dollars but the problem is they're not allowed to have any like sexual contact of any kind and every time they do they lose money from the pot so it was interesting. I, I watched it with my my wife, and uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? That I'm not normally into that sort of stuff, but that sounds like it could be really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's mindless, and I think right now it's tough because it's like I don't want to like I usually like things that are that are heavily charged, mm-hmm. um, but you're, right now I'm kind of looking for all the feel good I can get because I don't want to like you know life real life's depressing enough. I don't need to be extra depressed watching you know my free time you know. Yeah. So yeah, oh, and and obviously, if you haven't watched Schitt's Creek, it just ended. Um, fantastic show, fantastic series, uh, very funny. Uh, so yeah, it's perfect time to start that over, and you'll have you'll you'll you'll. It's one of those things that shows that you will cry happy, you know, happy tears. So uh, that's definitely heartwarming. So. And, and yeah, it just makes you feel good. And that's what we all need right now, right? Well, I haven't watched any of the shows <laughs> you told me. So that is honestly fantastic. You killed that question. <laughs> well, yeah, again, I, I've had plenty of practice, unfortunately. So. <laughs> well, um, I'm uh, done, t- you, done taking up enough of your time. Uh, so before we end here, is there anything uh, you want to plug away? You have the stage. No, just so, uh, yeah, you can just follow us at uh, Broadway Boys Pod on Twitter um yeah again uh, please subscribe to the hockey podcast network patreon uh if you go to the hockey podcast network's uh youtube channel i actually myself along with the hockey troll comment we have a goon line gaming uh which i believe uh, the gentleman uh sitting virtually across from me is part of so we i i do play by play with uh, my color contator uh hockey troll from official caps chirp and then our our man between the benches is grant of hungry for hot sauce so yeah, it's a little rough around the edges, but it's been a lot of fun. We're getting better with it. Our production value gets better each time and whatever issues. So, uh, yeah, so check that out. And, yeah, I'm going to try to have, um, as the once things become more clear on the draft, I'm going to try to do the rounds here on the Hockey Podcast Network and talk to the various hosts about where what range they might be picking in and who might be available to them. So, yeah, uh, I'll probably be popping up on other people's podcasts hopefully more as the month goes on. So yeah, but uh, Michael, this was a lot of fun and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. And there it is. Another collab down and I look forward to doing another next week. But before that, I would like to pivot into 
is shaving. So now that sounds like a bit of a weird topic of conversation on this week's podcast, but I want to tell you a little bit of a ritual that I have. When I'm putting on cologne after I shave, you know, I'm going out somewhere, I will spurt a little bit of cologne, you know, just just down the trousers, you know, just to make it smell good down there, J- just in case. You never know who's going to be sniffing around down there when you go out, so you just got to make sure that it smells good. However, you know, I'm using cologne that's probably not super great. It gets kind of greasy, not good. So if you guys are looking for something that, you know, isn't going to do that, but still gives you that, you know, clean, confident feel, then I think you guys should check out Manscaped. Now, Manscaped is primarily a razor company. They have a ton of really cool products for, you know, the below the belt region. I believe they have ball deodorant for all you guys out there. But the thing you guys really should check out is all their amazing, amazing razors. And the best one you can get right now is Manscaped 3.0. This is their third generation trimmer, which features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Because the last thing you want to do is nick your nuts. Am I right, fellas? (laughs) There's also, it also comes with a charging stand, a USB port, and it is super easy to use, even if you're not the most steady-handed like I am. If you are listening to me speak right now, then you are some of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience firsthand for yourself. You can get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code THPN at manscaping.com. I hope you guys take advantage of the offer and you guys get as much enjoyment out of manscaping as I have. This was a bit of a longer episode, so I am not going to take up any more of your guys' time. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview I had with Andy. I had a great time talking to him, and that's one of the reasons why this episode was so long. We just, you know, the conversation just flowed. I would like to apologize. There are a few, you hear it. Um, He goes a little robotic there, cuts in and out. Uh, There were some, you know, some connection issues, but I think for the most part, it was a really, really good interview, and I had a great time talking to him. So without any further stoppages, I will talk to you cowpokes in the next one.